Good morning, George. Good morning, Camille. Wow, you look like you're ready to hit it. I'm pumped for a reason Whatever I don't even gonna... understand about myself. <laughs> However, we did recently get a new espresso maker. And next time you come visit, you come check it out. It's fantastic. What, what'd you get? I will tell you what it is, is a proper espresso maker. It's programmable. It's got a digital front. It's compact. It has its own beans hopper and it's grinding beans. So we're always getting fresh ground stuff. You're getting no. the real stuff now. So I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm going to have to get one. Wirecutter loves them. You know what? That might be relevant to today. I might be able to segue this because ah, okay. let's see this. We're, we're going to talk today about basically the small changes that you should make. Well, should, maybe I shouldn't use the word should. Small changes that you are invited to make in order to achieve your big goals. We talk a lot about goals on this podcast. So we need to mm -hmm. talk about the ways that you can make it easier to achieve those goals. For some people, it's, I just struggle even getting started. And for some people, it's, I never seem to finish, or I just don't have time. Like there's all sorts of reasons. So we're going to just talk through some pretty straightforward stuff. And I'm going to preface this with, these aren't things that you haven't heard of before. Like I don't have any earth shattering thing that you can do, except okay. maybe a new espresso machine that could be <laughs> helpful. Yeah, I told you I'd work it in, but seriously, these are not yeah. new things, but I am talking about them because I want people to really think about them. And if they're using these effectively, and if they're not, I hear this resistance to things that I think is the important thing to work through, like the resistance to some of the guidance and advice. And this kind of gets back to what we've talked about before with when we try to take any of these steps or advice or things that we're supposed to do to the extreme. And then we're like, oh, yes. I can't do that. It doesn't work for me. And so I want to talk about this in it's, again, these aren't new or probably most of them are not new to people. There might be one or two you haven't really thought about as being useful, but it's mostly about the approach that I want us to think about in doing this a little bit differently. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. So I have this feeling like we spend, we, not just you and me, but we people in general, people of the world, people of the planet, we tend to spend more time talking and thinking about our goals than we do actually pursuing them. Do you ever feel like, I feel like that with my goals sometimes. Yeah. What I do notice is when we're talking about goals, there's endless talking and no writing down goals during the goal meeting. You know what I mean? Oh, well, that's yes. a very good issue. Well, what is, does everybody have input about this? What do you have to say about that's a good, we should take that offline in discussion and come back like, yeah, yeah, goal, write a goal, write a goal. You know what I mean? It's not that we're not doing it. Yep. It's not that we're not thinking about it. The team that I'm in, and I wish I had this idea, we have an Elmo doll, you know, Elmo from Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. To stop that, Elmo, the acronym enough, let's move on, Elmo. So oh, it's brilliant. So good. we'll be doing one of these things. Where we're talking endlessly about stuff instead of taking the action. Somebody will throw the Elmo doll in the middle of the table and say, Elmo, and it'll shock us like, oh, okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. In enterprise land, what I see more often is not so much that we don't start goals, but when we're doing the exercise, we don't get to them and finish them. 
Yeah. I think that's a lot of us. And a lot of what's happening is we do the exercise. So if we get as far as actually planning, so I love what you said about like running into people that don't even have goals and how it's a cardinal Ah. sin in corporate Ah. small business owners, it should be a cardinal sin in your business to not have Mm -hmm. goals. Like your business should have goals, targets, you got to be working towards something because you cannot improve your business. If you don't know what it is you're trying to achieve, like, what am I improving on? If I don't know. So I love that you have to have the goals, but let's say you get that far. Okay. Just the talking about it. It's so satisfying. And this is one of the things I wish I could remember. Maybe I'll find the source for this and put it in the show notes, but I read about, and I think it's back to some of this like behavioral science stuff where if you are talking about your goals too much, you are less inclined to work on them because you got the satisfaction of talking about them. Really? Yes. I need to find the source for this because it gets down to when we talk about our goals and they say, oh, share it with lots of people. Well, there's a limit to how much you should share your goals in part because some people you're going to share them with are going to be like, whatever, or they're going to poop on it. (laughs) Right. There's always a naysayer in there, especially if it's like, Hey, I'm going to start a business. Oh my goodness. Be careful who you tell that to, because you know, who knows what kind of skeptical eye you're going to get on that one. But the other reason is this one, that if we just keep talking about it, it's very satisfying. Like, yeah, I have goals. I'm going to do this stuff. And then we're like, yay me. And then we move on because setting a goal is an accomplishment. And so you should celebrate it. But sometimes we get caught in the loop of like, that's kind of all we're doing is talking about what we're planning to do and not actually doing the thing. Yes. So today we're going to talk about doing the thing because everybody should be making tons of progress by now on their goals for the year. And I bet you pretty much everybody who's listening right now is going to look at their annual goals and be like, oh, I did, I'm not, I'm not nearly as far as I need to be at this point in the year. If I don't make these happen, like you're already starting to feel this tension of there's not enough time. How am I going to get it all done? What am I going to do? There's so many things I still want to do. This also relates to, we're really focusing on the process process over outcomes. You already know what the outcomes are that you want. Stop talking about that. Now let's talk about and do the actual process. So here's how we're going to go through this. I have these eight things that I've come up with. I mean, again, they're not new, but I picked the eight that I thought were most relevant for our audience to really focus on in order to make it easier to actually achieve your goals. Okay. And so what I want to do is I want to just have you pick from the list. We're not going to have time to go through all eight because that would be a forever long podcast, but I am going to have a way at the end. So you're going to want to listen to the end people because I'm going to have a way for you to actually get all eight of these and be able to use them yourself. Today, we're just going to pick George's favorites. It's all about George Day. (laughs) What's your first one? What's the first one? Avoid distractions. Avoid distractions. You mean like when you kept sending me all those TikToks the other day that I was supposed to look at? For example, that's one of many, many, many examples. (laughs) My son comes in the room or cat. Nico cat. Other human, like humans a lot. Yeah. See, this is interesting because humans are a big distraction. I have no problem blocking out the humans, but I really have a problem blocking out the furry ones. May I tell you a story about myself? Mm -hmm. A long time ago, I was working at Sun Microsystems, great people, a great place to work. And I was in an engineering group. And where I was in the building back in the days when people used to go into office buildings to work every day, I was at the end of a building and around a corner. So there was this long hallway. And at the end of the hallway, it was a T 
And there were more offices at that T. And I was around the corner, like the last, pretty much the last office on the T. There was only a couple of them. So I had been along the long hallway, which I love because people were always walking down the hallway and I'd say hi, you know, or they'd say hi to me or whatever. But then I was in the T and nobody comes down to the end of the T just to say hi. Well, I worked in a multimedia engineering group and I had gears. So what I did was I took one of our cameras and I hung it from the ceiling around the corner so it could face down the long end of the hallway. So, And then I always had the, the video capture window up so I could basically be working and see who's walking down the hallway. <laughs> and sometimes I'd say, hi! People know, hi, Chris. <laughs> and at, at first they'd wonder like, oh, what is it? George, where are you? And I'd tell them, hey, come, come say hi. That's how badly I wanted distractions of people. Wow. Okay, guys, you just got the biggest insight into who George is, that he set up this whole device to just be around people because that's who he is. He just wants to be around the people all the time. I'm Cooper. Yes. I just was going to think you're just like my little black lab, just wanted all the attention of all the people. That is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. That is not a tip for how to avoid distraction and get (laughs) your goals. I need help against that that kind of thing. That's the (laughs) anti-tip. Do not do that. So eliminating distractions, like this seems obvious, right? Everybody's like, yeah, duh. I have not let I I haven't heard this before, right? Yeah. So, you know, the usual things. You turn off the phone, the notifications that are showing up all over the place. Like that's a pretty straightforward one that I am surprised how many people don't do it. But please, people, turn off all these notifications. You don't need them. You already are an automatic checker of email. You don't need your email to tell you it's showed up, right? Yeah. And when you're working on stuff, like close your email, close down the texting, close things up while you're going to focus on your goals or whatever it is you're doing. I think this even applies to, I want to be present in this meeting. Close the other stuff, be present in the meeting. You know, when you're like yeah. multitasking trying to do email while you're in the meeting, cause it's boring. I get it, but maybe it won't be boring if you actually focused and contributed and paid attention without the no I want to I want to talk about that when you I remember you and I have had conversations about that specifically I remember a few years ago when we talked about our different meeting habits and I will multitask sometimes in a meeting if there's a part of the meeting that doesn't interest me and I remember you telling me no when I'm in a meeting I don't care how boring it is that's the only thing I'm doing during that meeting and that was mind-blowing to me like first of all how can you secondly how do you how do you manage to do that and with a lot of the meetings, I think at that time, you're still working corporate. And so a lot of these meetings are really ill-designed. And a lot of them really, you're either listen only or a small percentage of your time is participation. Most of the meeting is not designed to keep you involved. And like, how do you manage to do that? That is a big distraction bait, but not for you, yes. apparently. Oh, no. I mean, I had to struggle against it to stay focused, but I would think what really turned me around on my thinking about how I wanted to show up in meetings was when we really were leaning into a new set of values and beliefs in the organization. And the biggest one was respect for people. Uh, And in, in my brain, it was how disrespectful of me to show up. How do I feel if I'm the one leading this meeting and everybody's sitting around the table with their laptops and I know they're doing something else? Yeah. Even if that person's not doing a good job in the meeting, I have the skills to help them do a better job. You have the skills to help somebody do a better job just by asking great questions. Thanks, George. Thanks for asking that question. Sparking a conversation. So 
that's how I try to pay attention in those meetings. So it's not like I've never done that multitasking thing, but when I do it, I realize now that's just me being really selfish that I'm trying to use this time to my advantage to get other work done while I'm also present in this meeting. Sorry, I don't mean you know to that you, shifts but... my belief. I'll tell you right there from let me think what from productivity to respect. Yeah, I mean, it really does. I feel ashamed of myself now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's great. I mean, that's that's a great way for me to think about changing my behavior. Maybe we can talk about this later, how to run a good meeting, because that still leaves me the problem with, okay, I do this, but now I'm in a one hour meeting that's not being run well, and it is boring most of the time and I'm not in charge of it. So of course it's not great. It's painful. It is painful. It is painful. And we will talk about meetings, both from the perspective of how to run them well, but also how to participate well. Like how do I help someone else run one well? So awesome. That that's a whole podcast for sure. But outside of meetings, back to the distractions, this not yeah. let meetings distract us from the topic at hand. Yeah. So areas of resistance that I hear, and maybe you have some more you can add to this, George, but some of the resistance okay. I hear to this idea of avoiding distractions is just like FOMO. I don't want to miss out mm. on something. Like, what if I need to answer the email that they sent to five people? I need to be the first to answer. Or yeah. what? I don't want to miss a phone call. I need to be available to everybody all the time. Like oh, that's, yeah. just, that's just how I feel. Like I should be responsive all the time and I'm good at multitasking. Yeah. Right. This is a time when I should be multitasking. These are the areas of resistance, which I'm just going to flat out say it. These are just excuses. We're just making excuses for avoiding hard work, which is to focus on a specific task and push through it. That's not easy to do. So we're not bad people for like wanting to resist getting rid of distractions. What we're about to do is hard because I'm talking about making time to work on your most important strategic objectives here. So you can apply this to lots of things, but I really want to okay. hone in on the idea of I need to sit down and do hard work on a goal. And that typically means I'm going to work on something new. I'm going to get outside my comfort zone. I'm going to feel incompetent because I'm doing something I haven't done before. I'm yeah. wading into an, an area of work that I'm not as familiar with. This is typically what goals represent, right? Doing something I'm not currently doing today. I have to change something about what I do. Otherwise, why would it be a goal? You're already doing it. So when we talk about working on our goals, immediately, like all this resistance shows up because we're trying to avoid that uncomfortable space of, I'm not even sure if this is the right thing to do right now. Is this the right step? Do I know what I'm doing? All of these, all, all of these doubts and concerns show up. And so we put these other things in the way. That's really what the distractions are for, right? They're just keeping yeah. us from that place. I like to think about that, you know, FOMO, when you have that fear of missing out, I was like, well, what about your fear of missing your goals? Don't we have a fear <laughs> of that? How could you make that a bigger fear than your fear of missing out? Like imagine yourself at the end of the year, having not made these goals happen. If yeah. I don't focus now, that's leading me down that path of, I'm not going to make this goal happen. And in business that translates to, I'm going to make less money because all of your goals are about enhancing your business in some way toward making more money, right? Cause that's yeah. what business is for. So if you yeah. translate that missing my goals means I'm going to make less money means, oh, I should definitely have a fear of missing out on money. It starts to just change the thing that I should really be worried about. And part of this is the challenge of, I don't ultimately have control of this outcome of the money, but I do have control over the steps I do today that increase the odds of success in me hitting that goal. 
And that's what I think I want people to focus on. The other part of this is I also like to think of turning FOMO into JOMO. What? I am an expert at JOMO. This is the joy of missing out. You haven't heard this before? I didn't make this No, I don't think I have. Somebody else made this term up. Yeah, the joy of missing out. Boy, introverts were really good at this one. Yeah. It's so it's so satisfying to just choose myself and my own time to work on things that are important to me over all the other demands in the world. It's really satisfying. And if you can get to that place of, I'm going to choose me and my priorities, I'm going to choose that right now. That's like a really cool space to get into. So I would invite people to really think about how can I find some joy in the idea that oh, I'm not actually missing out on anything. I'm actually just really working on the thing that I wanted to work on by saying no to the other thing. So like your meeting example, even the ideal choice would be if I'm really going to work on something that's more important to me in this time, I should just say no to that meeting. Yes. Right. You prioritize (laughs) and you choose something. So Finding a little Jomo in your life is very important. And then, of course, just this idea that we can multitask. Look, nobody's good at it. Like when yeah. you're in that meeting and you're doing email, you're not actually multitasking. You're just sitting in the room pretending to be present, but actually ignoring what's going on and working on some email. And every once in a while you're participating, but that's not good multitasking. And nobody is actually good at it, especially when it comes to working on something as intense as a goal. I can listen to a podcast and do laundry. That level of multitasking. Yeah, no big deal. There's no risk in that. Nobody's testing me on the how well I listen to the podcast and, you know, laundry is laundry, cleaning is cleaning. So there's a low risk there. I'm talking about goals and multitasking. And there you just want to focus on doing fewer things better. I have a test for people, by the way. Oh, good. A test or a trick to show you that you're not good at multitasking. Like nobody is good at multitasking. And that test is get with somebody and get a pencil and paper, something to write with, not typing, but writing, and have them tell you a story about their day, something that you don't already know, and take notes. And at the end, tell the other person your notes, and you will see just how much you missed, because what's happening is there's the part where you're listening, and then you're switching context. You don't think you are, but you're switching context to writing, what you just heard and summarizing. And during the period of time that you're writing, you're missing the next set of dialogue that's coming along, but you don't even real, realize it. And guaranteed you will hear the holes that will prove to you that you can't multitask, right? Yes. Very I simple test admit, to show you. I will admit I do that in this podcast. Sometimes you're talking and you make me think of an idea and I'm like, shoot, I got to write that down or I'm going to forget to talk about it later. And then I realize I just missed the last two sentences of what George said. Well, I want to let people off the hook for this one. I do it too, although I've got a device that helps me with that. Maybe if we have time at the end, I can tell you about the dissensive gadget thing. I'm using this as an example because everybody does this. We're all taught to take notes. We're never told since we're like in first grade, we're never told, oh, and you can't multitask. So be aware that while you're writing, you're going to miss stuff. No, we're never told that. We're all told this is what we should do. It's best practice behavior. It's the clearest everyday example that shows you that your brain is split. It's very difficult to have a a perfect solution for that kind of thing, unless you say, okay, stop your story. That's really great, but I'm going to write down the last sentence. Okay, go ahead. And after you stab the person, then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Who are your friends if it's about stabbing people? Really interesting friends. Yeah. Fascinating. This is such a good point because some of what we're 
there is some multitasking in our lives that just has to happen. We are going to be taking notes while we're listening. In fact, we'll talk about this in the episode about meetings. The struggle that I have with, I want people to be present and focused in the conversation, but I also want those people to take their own dang notes. Don't make me have to summarize everybody else's to-dos and send them to you. (laughs) If I'm doing a retreat, either set it as an expectation or sometimes I bring them their own notebooks. Here's your notebook and your pen. Like, it's very clear what my expectation is. You you be taking notes and I'll pause. I'm like, I'm just going to pause while you guys finish taking notes on that. It's also a great way to take in the information and have it stick. There is a science around the idea that when we write something, it actually connects in our brain differently than if we're typing or just listening. But that extra connection of actually having to write things out, I mean, it makes sense because there's this physical activity of our hand that's creating words and that translates into our brain. So I often ask people when I'm doing work with them to like write this work down, write those goals down because that's going to make a better connection for you. That's why when people journal, they're typically writing, not typing those journals. Remember for people like you who have chicken scratchy writing. I mean, nobody else has to be able to read it. So that's the good news. That's a good point. I know that you're like, writing is slower than typing, but sometimes slower is better. That's absolutely true. Yeah. 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 Depends on what you're doing. This is good. Just being fully present here. I find that I strive for that, but not all the time. And it works differently for me in different contexts. For example, at family dinner time, we have a rule, no cell phones on the table, no cell phones at dinner. And both my wife and I have a hard time doing it, but we do it. We have that rule and we're accountable for it. That was not an easy thing for me to do, but I'm there now. I can have a dinner when I'm fully present. It is much harder for me to do in a work context. I don't know why, but it's harder to have the same kind of discipline. Do you know why? I suspect it's because in the workplace, it's pounded into our brains to be productive. And Mm. we don't think of productivity as being present. We think of it as I'm busy producing things. Listening is not part of productivity. And so I got to be cranking out an email. I think it's just pretty common across the board. I need to look like I'm busy all the time. How many times are you, you know, you're having a chat with somebody, having a conversation And you realize if my boss saw this, they'd be like, George, get back to work. But you're actually having a productive conversation. So it's a tricky balance, I think, that we don't value the connection and the conversation and communication as much as we should. And we just focus on the productivity. That's my guess. And then at home, you are more focused on being present. Like there, that's clearly the key is be present with my kids, be present with my significant others. It's that we value different things in those spaces. That's true. And they're more important to me too than these work people. (laughs) Of course. Yes. (laughs) I want to make one more comment about avoiding distractions. I think part of it for me when I do get distracted is I haven't stepped back and asked myself, and I think you mentioned this, basically, what's the more important thing to be doing here? What are my priorities? So I get distracted because maybe I'm on autopilot or in the meeting, I do the meeting all the time, instead of standing back and say, wait, is it more important to be doing this thing or that thing? And I don't always stand back and explicitly have that priorities discussion, which might cause me to give up a meeting. And then the the follow-on from that is, I somehow think that when people are calling me right then, I'm their highest priority when maybe they're just thought, oh, I, I'll ask George this question. If he answers, great. If he doesn't answer, I'll figure it out. But I think it, it is urgent. I don't know if it's really urgent to them. It might not be. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So does that mean okay. we should talk about prioritization next? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you'll find that when, when you guys are listeners are able to see all of these, you will find that there's a lot of connection between them. So just as you were talking about that, you know, avoid distractions is connected with the idea of prioritizing. So thank you for the segue. <laughs> so prioritizing, it's just identifying the most important critical tasks in the moment. And in the moment is I'm choosing to work on my goals now. Again, back to what we're really focusing this discussion around is working on our goals. But it does apply in any of these spaces, like what you were just talking about, right? Yeah. But we want to make sure that the strategic you know, planning activities that are aligned with your overall business objectives also align to the time that you spend working on them, because that's yeah. how you're going to deliver value in your company, right? Am I spending enough time working on the goal versus just chatting about it with a bunch of people? And making time to do that is challenging. I just want to say that up front, it is not easy to carve out time to work on the things that are working on the business that aren't obvious to be worked on. It's not an email to respond to. Everything else in your business is mostly demanding your attention. Everything yeah. is saying, I need your attention now to pay this bill. I need your attention now to see this client. I need your attention now to respond to this query. So there's always stuff pulling us into working in the business. There's really nothing pulling you to work on your business except you. I kind of go back to this idea of even when you're your own boss, you still need a boss. And you still need somebody who helps you with the priorities, with the growth, with the, we'll talk about this later, just how do you be your own leader to yourself? Because that's what you need. You need some leadership that's helping guide you through this. But when it comes to prioritizing, the areas of resistance that I usually see show up, and I want to hear if there's other ones that you would add to this, George, the ones that I hear are, again, FOMO, fear of missing out. I don't want to prioritize because I don't want to say no to anything. And prioritizing yeah. means I got to say no to something. Also, I hear people be like, but it's all important. Yes, but it can all be important, but you can also prioritize how you work through that list. Yeah. The other one that comes up a lot is just that I don't want to let anyone down, right? Yeah. I need to do all this stuff because so many people are prioritizing other things for me. I love what this else, one. What else do you hear? That what one is a big one to me. And it's the one that kind of, for me, was part of the, the segue from distractions to priorities. Because as a manager, I feel like, if you're a good manager, you're in service to your team. And the other thing is managers are interrupt driven a lot of time. I just said it a minute ago, we're responding to incoming stuff. And if I'm a good service led manager, yeah, this one is a huge one for me. Not wanting to let anyone down is very difficult to overcome that for the best of reasons. Yeah. But can you imagine a world where you're able to prioritize your own most important goals to work on? And also not let anyone down. Real world example this week. May I tell you? Ooh, yes, I do want to hear. Avi and I are going to Disneyland this week. His first time ever. It's going to be great. He's got a week off of school and we've arranged it. So I'm going to take a week off of work. And it's different than like when I go and visit you for a week. When I go visit you for a week, we can sit on the couch and both be doing screens and I can respond to people and all that stuff. No, 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 no. We are going to Disneyland. I'm not bringing my laptop into the park. <laughs> and even, even the phone, like I, I really, really want us to watch every single moment of this kid experience the Magic Kingdom for the first time. I don't want to miss a second of that. Even if it's just, if we only last half days, we'll see how much stamina he and I have. But 
So I've been so excited about this. What I've told my my whole team is not only, hey, I'm gone, but I actually took a vacation day on Friday to prep for the week. And I said, look, I'm gone for Friday and all of next week. So Friday, I'm just doing stuff around the house. I'm reachable. If you need me, send me a text. I'll respond pretty quickly. Next week, minimum response time is four hours, minimum. Probably not until that evening. Different from normal George, I am not going to respond or get back to you that same day during working hours. I'm probably going to get to it after he's asleep at night and I'm doing stuff. And so I've created this space and everybody's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Send pictures. Tell us we can't wait to hear about how it goes with you and your son. We really don't want to hear from you. I had to really convince myself. <laughs> and then I told the team. And of course, when everybody in the team heard, like, don't worry about it. We're probably not going to bother you anyway. It was easy. Rarely will people respond badly to that. And the people who do respond badly to that, you need to run away from as soon as possible, either fire them or stop working for them. Yeah. I mean, immediately in my head was, why do you have to be available at all? It's a vacation. (laughs) I see this a lot where, again, we don't want to let people down, right? So we just say that we're available. But what if instead, we're kind of going off on a different topic here. So we'll we'll go deeper into this another time. But I would just, as we're thinking about this, I would love to challenge people to think, but what if instead of I need to be available to help my team, What if instead I was, I need to show my team, I trust them to handle things while I'm away. You got this. You don't need to contact me. I'm going on vacation. Then you also set the expectation by your actions, not by your words, that it's okay for them to do that too. Yeah. I do have a client right now that struggles with that, where they're not setting good examples of how to take vacation and their teams are like, well, one of these teams set a goal of not working while on vacation. And these are like low level managers, right? So, and they're doing that. And then their leaders are like, well, we're not asking them to do that. I'm like, no, but you're demonstrating that that's how work happens here because you do it. None of you shut work off when you go on vacation. So, you know, it's happening when they go to a funeral. It doesn't matter what it is. They're still connected to work. And I would love everybody to break that because you're not actually taking a break. I had this conversation with one of my directs earlier in the week about exactly that. He's started reporting to me a few months ago. Great guy. And he was talking about upcoming vacation and how he's going to take two weeks. He actually took two weeks recently for the first time ever in his 25-year career, which is mind-blowing to me. He had never been in a support system where people encouraged him to take a while, and he had never felt okay doing it. And I asked him what it was like. You know, It was mind-blowingly great. Yeah. I didn't really appreciate what it meant to fully be in vacation mode without taking all the baggage of work to like quit my job. They'll say it was until I made the decision to quit my job because I was on a cruise when I made that decision and that cruise forced me to not work. Like there's no way you can work when you're in a different time zone and on a cruise ship. Like there's just no way to do anything. I was forced into just cutting ties with work and it was just so fantastic. Mm. And then after quitting my job and going on vacation, I was like, oh, it used to take me, you know, a few days of vacation before I got into vacation mode. Like I just had to try to unwind myself from it. And now it's no problem Yeah, because I'm in control of my work. Like I know that vacation's coming and I can control the flow and the cadence of work and how I do it. And when I record podcasts and all of the stuff that I have to do. 
I just make those choices and I just choose to do that. Whereas before it didn't feel like a choice. I had more control that I was willing to admit. Yeah. And I think that's most people working in a company, especially in the corporate world. We do have more control over that than we're willing to admit because we don't see anybody else do it. And so we're afraid other people are going to be like, what's that lazy person doing? When actually everybody will be like, how do I get some of that? How do I have more time away like you just had, right? So that's a little bit of a tangent on the prioritizing, but it is related to it in that we're trying to really decide what's important. So when you're trying to prioritize your goals, I mean, it does start with the goal better be good enough that it is important to you, right? I mean, maybe it's just not a good enough goal and you just don't care about it enough. Sometimes I talk about when people set smart goals yeah, and so what is it specific, measurable actionable, relevant, and time-bound. I think that's right. So SMART goals, what I think is missing is, is it inspiring? Is it motivating? Do you even care about this goal? Mm -hmm. Because as a small business owner, if you don't care, it's going to be really hard to work on it. So you need to find your why of that. As Simon Sinek talks about, find your why in a business, you got to do it for your goals. Like, why does it even matter to me? That's the start of getting good at prioritizing. But also some of these other things we just talked about, like you do embrace the JOMO, like really discover this joy of missing out. There is joy for you and missing out on responding to the emails that come your way because people are going to solve problems themselves. And that is joy when you have a team who can do that and they feel great about having solved those problems without having to go to the boss, right? We forget how great that is for people. Yeah. There's something you said once too, George, I think it was something to the effect of, we tend to confuse the urgent for the important. Yep, absolutely. I think that's part of this too, especially when we think about the role of distractions, like, oh, but this seems urgent. This person doesn't normally call me, I should answer. Yeah, we just kind of tell a story to ourselves about what's urgent as a way to distract from working on what's most important, what's the priority in that moment. And so I think that's a really important part of this. And then there's a quote that I had found from Adam Grant that I really like. He says, we carry too much guilt about letting others down and too little fear of letting ourselves down. Oh, wow. He says, the most important commitments to uphold are the ones you make to yourself. Uh, (laughs) I know. Leave it to Adam Grant, right? I know. It's such a great way to think about things. And I think it is really at the heart of a lot of these challenges with prioritizing our goal work, because that goal yeah. for a small business owner should represent one of the most important things to do right now. It's a commitment to yourself for this business that you're building. And yet we still struggle to do them. We still tend to put them on the back burner, like, oh, but I'll get to it when I get the work done, which is not a thing. You don't ever get all the work done. So anybody <laughs> who's saying that as a thing you're going to do before you work on your goal. That's why you prioritize. Like in this moment, I need to prioritize this goal. Later today, I will then prioritize other work. But how do you work that in? This might be a different podcast or a different topic, but that brings to mind a question. So the work is never done. That's certainly true in my industry. However, I've always wondered about people who have the kinds of jobs where they can leave their work at home, healthcare professionals. And this is a very long background to my question to you. You worked on introducing lean to healthcare professionals, take surgeons, you know, these arrogant gods who have these extreme capabilities. I mean, is goal setting even relevant to them? Don't they just get scheduled to go and do their cutting? Do they even have this issue at all? Oh, yeah. 
I don't believe you. They have targets to hit too. They have goals and number of new patients they have to bring in. It's still a business. This is the problem with healthcare is that it is a business. And so it's about how many people we can see. And so the challenge we always have is the tension of we have to operate a business and yet put the care of patients at the center. This is the tension that every healthcare system is running under. But yes, they do have those goals. And also I would say, especially for anyone who's at any level of leadership in healthcare, they are all taking work home with them. Even surgeons? I mean, what are they bringing a patient home think, and some When do you think they're answering all their emails? They Those saw patients. Oh yeah, they saw patients all day long. Now they have all the administrative work to do. They've yeah. got documentation to do. They've got stuff to file and papers to sign and emails to answer. And it is never ending for them. It's actually worse for healthcare, I think, in terms of when they are on the clock, they are expected to be 100% taking care of patients. So they don't have any other time to work on the administrative side. And every one of them has some level of administrative work to do. Well, that's interesting in itself because that goes right against what we're talking about here. I'm sure these people would tell you, yes, I do prioritize things out of my current context because I'm not given a choice, but that includes things that must be done. I'm not allowed to be doing equally important things right now. I don't have a solution. We constantly had this problem. Well, first I will just say, this isn't just healthcare. I think every single industry has their version of this. Yeah. Every industry has their version of this, right? But it's when I'm at work, I'm supposed to be delivering. So we would say in a lean perspective, I should be delivering value to customers. That's my main job. And that's true. Yeah. So what there's no time for is any of this goals work, any of this improvement work working on the business, working on improving the business, then we don't have time for that. And so we struggle with this in healthcare because with the physicians, we wanted them in the room, like when we were going to redesign some process that was directly affecting them, it was their process, right? For seeing patients. Our biggest challenge was how are we going to get physicians and nurses in the room to do it? Because they're seeing patients all day. So we had to get really creative. We would do workshops on the weekends. This is how I became a morning person reluctantly, because (laughs) the only time you can meet with physicians is before they start their day at 6.30 or 7 a.m. Their administrative meetings would be at 7 a.m. before they started their workday. That's when the physicians would would have their administrative meetings. So my point in this is there is always a way to prioritize that work. I was skeptical that we could do it when we were working in that system, especially the healthcare system, but we did it. We found a way to prioritize that work and still do good by our patients, not break the system, right? Not screw up the day, not create chaos. We found a way to do it in a very thoughtful manner. And I 100% because of that experience, believe every single industry can figure that out. I apologize for getting us so far off target, but you and I have done, you and I have talked about lean over the years when you've doing it, but I I really would like to learn more about this. I really would like to learn more about how it applies here. I'd like to hear you talk more about it. Well, we are going to talk about it. It's in the big plan. I think we're going to dial in on that as the next phase of topics that we'll talk about, because I've been thinking a lot about how does lean work in small business because of this challenge of lean is about working on the business. It is about doing improvement work 
so that you can have more value. So yes, I think we'll talk about this more. It'll be a few episodes of different conversations, which will lead us right back to leadership, which is my favorite conversation. So, cool. but yes, this idea of prioritizing to do that kind of work, 100% connected. Thank you for taking us to that place because awesome. it is about that bigger picture of how do I prioritize these big things I've got to do to improve the business. Small business owners, when they come to me, this is really the challenge that they're having is I know I need to prioritize this work. And for them, sometimes the answer is I'm going to hire a coach because once I'm paying, it's like I'm paying for accountability and prioritization. Yeah. I'm just going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to stop talking about what I'm going to do. And I'm going to pay somebody to help me drive this goal to completion. And that's what I do. Yeah. Okay. And everybody's this is happy. cool. All right. Let's do at least one more. Accountability. Uh, <laughs> accountability. <laughs> accountability. One of my favorite tricks for myself is to get an accountability buddy for something. I think accountability is a good one. It is a good one because it's almost too simple. Mm. And yet it's still really hard for us to do, especially mm. if you're just trying to do it by yourself. So there's yeah. two versions of this, right? You can create systems of accountability for yourself but accountability partners way better. So let's start with the way better one. Let's start okay. with the accountability partner since that's where you went. And so how does that work for you? How do you find the right one? How do you do it? Well, I'm not looking for a universal accountability buddy for my whole life, for everything in my life. First of all, it's really localized to one thing that I want to be better at. So maybe there's one initiative at work, not even all of work, but one really important initiative that I should be spending time on. And I'm finding, ah, I'm not really getting to it week after week. In that case, what I will try to do is find somebody usually in that group who is also involved in the project. I feel like they're good and responsive. And I will say, hey, look, I need an accountability buddy here. You know what I'm supposed to deliver. Would you be my accountability buddy? Bug me, hold me responsible, ask me questions about if I'm falling behind, why I'm falling behind. There's usually somebody you know in any of these groups who's decent at that and is willing to have these conversations with you. That's usually my technique. Somebody in that area who's involved, who knows enough about what's going on, and I'll just ask them just up front. I'm having a hard time keeping myself accountability. I need an external person to <laughs> encourage me. Will you be my accountability buddy? So something that I heard you say in there, I think is important to call out, which it sounds like you have a clear agreement, right? So you said, yep. you know, I tell them to ask me these questions, ask me, you know, if I'm on track, ask me if so, why not? I think that mm -hmm. is an important aspect of accountability. So instead of having an accountability partner and having it just turn into you guys just chit-chatting and about how Ugh. things are going, I did this, yeah, no. I did that. Great. Having that structure, even down to a very specific agenda, I want to hit this, then this, then this, this is what I want to do every time. Absolutely do that for accountability partnering. Because I think that's where some people doing it may go where they're like, well, it doesn't work for me. Well, probably doesn't huh. work for you because you're not doing it with that structure in place. I think yeah. that's something you and I have learned over time. So we yeah. naturally know, like, of course, that's part of accountability. But if you're really new to doing this with somebody then really think about like, what is the objective here? And then you do want to give permission to that other person to question you about those things. Mm. Otherwise they might kind of hesitate. Maybe they really don't want to make you feel bad. So they don't want to ask those questions. Yeah, That also might mean they're not a great accountability partner if they're too worried about your feelings. But somebody you can trust to ask really good questions and help you move forward is great and not shame you. They also shouldn't shame you. Yeah, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. You're right. I don't think I'd made that explicit. 
the other thing I think in my mind as I think about this is when I think about my accountability buddies, they are, they might be friendly, but they all coming with this mindset of, look, I'm holding you accountable. Otherwise, we're canceling the project. They'll be forgiving for me, but really they're very practical about, hey, you're not doing this thing. Is it not important to you? If it's not important to you, why are you even in it? Get out or cancel the project. That kind of attitude helps them be harsher on me, as harsh as they need to be. For them, the stakes is high, higher than apparently I'm treating it. This is actually a great point in just as people working with coaches, right? So that's one of the things that I will cue in on is if somebody's just continually not making progress, I'm like, why did we pick this? Why are you working on this goal? What are we doing here? Like it just have yeah. to reflect it back that apparently is not that important to you. And you know, it's when there's excuse after excuse after excuse. One of the points of the accountability is maybe just reflect on why am I struggling so much? back to the idea of we got to reflect all the time, right? So reflecting on like what's working well and what can be improved is part of the accountability cycle. But also if it's not working well, going a layer deeper to why not? Why am I continuing to struggle? And maybe it's because it really isn't that important. You picked the wrong goal. You picked the wrong priority in the moment. That's a thing. Absolutely. So you're talking about being in an environment where you have access to a lot of great people to be accountability partners with. Mm Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of people struggle with finding a good one. How do I find a good yeah. accountability partner? Especially if you're a small business owner, you're not going to do that with one of your employees. That just feels awkward. Isn't the right person to have your strategic goals accountability mm. partner with. But this is where the idea of you could use the idea of having a mentor to create some accountability yeah. for you. Obviously, coach is the ultimate level of accountability, but you could also find other f- owners. They don't even have to be in the same industry, just people who are kind of struggling at the same level of business that you are to be an accountability partner. Those are some of the best. I know people who do that. They have enough structure. They're at similar, not identical places in their business, but they're both just solopreneurs and they just meet every week and talk about, you know, how's it going with your business and just that process One of the other things that happens when you have these accountability partner discussions is that you talking about your work is this great self-coaching moment. Because as you talk, you'll, again, you've done this here on the podcast where you're talking and then you're like, huh, like I see that a little light bulb went off just as you were talking through something. Yeah, for sure. By the way, the best moment for a coach ever is when you realize you've got somebody talking themselves through to their own solution. (laughs) So you can do that in an accountability conversation as well. That's what I would ultimately tell everybody is find somebody to do it with because it it actually is a way to use the idea that we don't want to let other people down to your advantage. This is a place where it works for you because accountability should go both ways, Yeah. right? And now how can I help you? So especially a small business owner doing that with another small business owner, you should equally split that time helping each other. I'm going to ask about your goals and then you're going to ask about mine. Yeah. And so the idea that you don't want to let people down, oh, that plays into it. And it, that's why the partner works. We all have this sense of not wanting to let somebody down. And so we've got this appointment. We're going to show up. This is why they tell you get a workout buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I've made this appointment to go to the gym with so-and-so. Well, now, I'm not going to go to the gym because the gym cares. I'm going to go because the person I care about mm-hmm. them. So that's a great way to do it now. What if you don't have anybody? You've got to start accountability now. You don't have time to wait to find the right person. 
is accountability just to yourself like a thing? Do you think you could do that? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the whole point of you getting a buddy is to externalize. If you're having trouble being accountable, the easiest way to deal with it is to externalize the accountability. So I will make one more comment about those lines. Two more ideas here, three ideas. One is hire somebody, hire an accountability buddy. If you don't know anybody, just pay somebody to do that. Find a coach and say, I don't care about the coaching. I just care about accountability. Let's start with that. I think that's fair. Number two, use tooling. So for accountability yes. for doing my workouts, do you use something tooling that's maybe fun and easy? You don't want to get into a whole rat hole about, I want to find the perfect tool and the whole big setup. Just like, I have this watch that helps me track my runs. I can see how much running I'm doing. And it's easy for me to see how I'm doing and keeping patterns. Third, we haven't talked about this, but you just gave me an idea. This is something I can use my virtual admin to help me with. I could tell my virtual admin here, I'm not going to ask you to be exactly my accountability buddy, but here's a task. I'm supposed to do it every day. And our everyday check-ins ask if I've done that thing. And I want you to keep a spreadsheet of just my yes or no answers or something. And then every once in a while, you will just show it to me and say, look, you said you were going to do this. And turns out it was only done one out of every five times, making somebody else just gather the data for you and then reflect it back to you. Those are kind of three quick ideas about that. But none of those are like me just completely on my own. It's still rely on them. Well, the tooling one is kind of me. The tooling one is pretty just yeah. you. Yeah, I yeah. like that one. You know, it's interesting, as you just said, those three, I know I said there's eight of these, right? So we're not talking about all of them, but you just named mm-hmm. off two of the other ones that are really yeah. important, which is using technology and then yeah. uh, delegating. Like yeah. <laughs> I use my virtual assistant also as my own sense of accountability because we talk about what's the plan for the week and she's going to do X and I'm going to do Y. And then when I come back next week, I need to have done my part on those things, right? So it's this great way to help me stay on top of what I'm supposed to deliver and when I start thinking more about when I'm gonna do it because it's, I shouldn't wait till the last minute because then that puts her into a crunch. So I need to start getting things much more in time when we talk about having better schedule for that so that we're more respectful of each other's time. I think that's a great way to do it. And it actually, it hits on multiple aspects of how you can make this go better. So very cool. The other simple thing I would say to just do it for yourself is just the idea that you should just have regular check-ins with yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's the, I'm going to plan out what I'm going to do for the week or the day. I do this every morning, just, all right, what's happening today? What are my most important things? And then at the end, I assess how'd I do. I think we underestimate the value of just that little tiny cycle and it's minutes a day, right? To be like, well, okay, what's important today? And then at the end of the day, how did I do? Okay. So what's that mean for tomorrow? And you just kind of keep that little cycle going of with yourself, what worked and what can you improve? So you can do some of this just for yourself. And it could just be as simple as what's the one thing I want to do for my goals today or this week, make that note. And then at the end of the week, go, how'd I do, right? You can do it for yourself. Okay. So this is going to seem like it's way out of left field. I've heard Elton John talk about songwriting and he had the saying once about when he's stuck, he says, whenever, when in doubt, write a hymn. If you think about a lot of his songs, especially his old songs, a lot of songs are really hymns, like Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me is totally a hymn. It's got that same structure as a gospel. When in doubt, write a hymn. And the reason I'm saying that is because, again, for you, when in doubt, go to reflection. I mean, your principle here is reflect for yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This come up again and again and again through these 30 episodes. Reflection. It's so important. I mean, I think it's such an 
underutilized tool because we don't do it consistently enough to get the benefit from it. Yeah. But it's there and it's like kind of the easiest thing we could do, right? It couldn't be more simple than to just reflect on oh, what just happened. So we, what we did three, did we do three of these eight? Did yes. three and touched on several others. Yes, we did. So a couple of takeaways that I want people to think about with this, which is, yes, there's eight of these and any single one of them will be helpful. Like you don't have to do all eight of these things mm. or even all three that we talked about today. Just start with one that you want to work on, right? Yeah. Also, you don't have to do this exactly like, I don't know, any of these productivity gurus would tell you to do it online. Do it your way. Just get to the essence of start prioritizing or get to the essence of creating some accountability. Like we okay. didn't give you all the possible ways to do it today. Customize your own approach here is my point. Work to your strengths. Use the idea that, you don't want to let people down to your advantage and not yeah. to your detriment. Figure out what all of that is. That's cool. Which kind of leads me to the other point here, which is that really the only thing that's standing between you and your goal is your beliefs about any one of these things huh. and whether they'll work for you or not. Huh. So if you walk into this and you're like, nah, that accountability stuff that never works for me, it will never work for you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it gets down to our whole concept of belief shifts. This is a shift in beliefs and mindset that you might have to take because some of these you're going to resist more than others. Everybody has their different places of what they resist for their own reasons. Your job mm -hmm. is to really understand like, what is my resistance to that? And then how can I let go of some of that resistance and actually embrace this idea as something that could work for me? I just have mm -hmm. to find my own way to do it. That's the main thing is just if you out of the gate decide that none of this is going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. Hey, listeners, I am jumping in here to the end of my own podcast because I realized as I got to the end of this while I was in editing mode, I was talking about this working for you and not working for you. And I needed a way to give you the list of all eight of these things that you can do so you could go do some of them. So check out the show notes where you'll see all eight of the things that I referenced today listed, but also there'll be a link so you can grab a, a quick guide on how to do it. So I just put them down on some paper for you. So you could also just have something to download and work from, because as I said, you don't really want to try and do all of them at once. And you probably were listening to this podcast and trying to figure out how to do any of them while you were listening and walking or driving or whatever you do while you listen to podcasts. So Hopefully that will help you make some progress. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to, if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please do that. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at thebeliefshift.com. There's a little voicemail widget where you can leave us a note about what do you think of the podcast? What do you want us to talk about in future podcasts? Or, you know, whatever you want to have would say to us. We'd also love, love, love it if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's really how this podcast can get seen by others which of course you can also just share it with your friends, which we would love as well. So thank you for listening and we will be back in your ears next week.